Hi, I'm Gail from Europod. Before enjoying your podcast, allow me to say a few words about Europe Talks Back. In the third season of Europe Talks Back, I want to uncover the topics that matter or should matter to all of us. From gender to bodies and sex, digital to migration and urban landscapes, and everything in between. Rather than focusing on macro-level policies, let's zoom in and talk to the brave activists and volunteers with lived experience, who are working directly with marginalized communities to further equity, justice, and liberation for all. Can I ask you to introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Mariana. I'm 47. I have a son and a dog. I I live here for a long time. Mariana is a resident in Lisbon. She has been living in the neighborhood of Santo Antonio for a few decades. Mariana was involved as a citizen in the pilot one of COESO, Mass Tourism's Impact on Urban Communities. I think I was invited to participate in this project because I live here, I'm really in the contact with the neighborhoods. I, I, I went to this school, my son went to this school also, we are going to pass now. So I'm very familiar with the neighborhood. How would you describe this neighborhood? Well, I think there was a huge evolution because at the beginning it was not... Uh, very uh, friendly to walk and to pass because there was people sleeping there. There still are, but unfortunately. But And it was a huge, huge, huge evolution and change with the tourism, with the stores that are in Avenida Liberdade. Avenida da Libertade, which translates into Avenue of Freedom, is one of the main avenues of Lisbon. And it literally cuts the neighborhood of Antonio into two parts. And you still have this contrast because you have there, it is not for Portuguese, the, 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 the stores, that, the magazines, they are there. You cannot afford this. It's, it's expensive and it's uh, designed for tourism. And then you still have these uh, little streets, the feeling that I was telling you about, the little bairrismo. So, Old people, they are living here from 30 years, 40 years. They still have this. So it's a mix. The term Mariana used, barismo, can be translated into localism, if you want. But in my opinion, it's pretty untranslatable by means of a single word. It kind of designates a positive feeling about being local. So the expansion of mass tourism in the city, to some extent, unraveled the latter feeling. You know, with uh, the place where so many tourists and so many people and nothing against the foreigners, nothing to do with it, but the city has changed a lot and sometimes it's like you are not anymore there. <laughs> I don't know. So it's a mix of feelings. It was a huge evolution, something mostly for the good, for the city and economy and everything but in somehow you how do you say it's almost like you don't belong anymore 
Exploring Citizen Science. Can research and society be reconnected? Episode 5. In Lisbon. Part 2. Citizen Science Hands-On. So, we briefly touched upon this in episode 4, but I think it's time to give some general context about what happened in Lisbon over the past 15 years. And I'd like to do this through the voice of Mariana. Like I said, I moved uh, like 14 years ago, 14 for this neighborhood. And then with uh, the economy in Portugal and lots of foreign people getting to start uh, living here and investing here, and the prices all over start to increase. 14 years ago is approximately 2008-2009. I don't know if this rings a bell, but it's right when a number of countries in Europe started to go through a deep economic crisis. Well, Portugal was one of them. Turmoil on the world's markets after the collapse of the giant investment bank Lehman Brothers sent shockwaves around the globe. It's a nightmare. Death. Anyhow, one of the ways out of the crisis in the years just following the turn of the decade, say 2011, 2012, was to rely heavily on a more dynamic housing market. Without going too much into the details, it was all about the liberalization of the rent market and, more generally, real estate. In the following decade, all of this led to Lisbon becoming the Airbnb city of Europe, so to speak. A lot of financial resources flew into the country, and the overall logic, acquiring old property, refurbishing it and renting it to tourists coming from everywhere in Europe. The capital of sunny Portugal, Lisbon, is situated at the point where the Tagus River estuary meets the Atlantic Ocean. As a travel destination, the riverfront city is as rich and varied as the country's long history. Me, myself, I remember flying to Portugal in 2009 with a bunch of friends, right into Lisbon, and then touring the country. We did not use Airbnbs back then, but it was more a matter of chance. We were five and a room in a hostel would be enough. Anyhow. Mariana summed up the process as seen from her Santo Antonio rooted perspective. So I had a rent, a nice rent, near to Avenida da Liberdade, that is now the spot of the stores for the tourists and everything. And so they ask people to get out because they want to sell it. And now they sell to a big, big group. That and now they are writing for double, I think a little bit more double than I was to pay. All of this had a strong impact on who would live in the neighborhood, day in, day out. So the only people who stayed were old people, that because of the law, the Portuguese law, you cannot uh, put out after uh, 65 years old, and they are living there uh, for more than t 20 years. So the tourism and the people is good, of course, for the... You see lots of people, you, lots of uh, new energy, new cultures. But the negative point of this is like the people who are living there and using to have a kind of um, way of living, of financial, and that change. So, or the people uh, have the power to go, to align, and most of them don't have, or they have to move from the center. So that's the, the bad thing. And do you know lots of people that had to move yes, from... Yes, 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 I know. 
they had to move. Once they, they decide to go out of Lisbon, uh, change life, and COVID was also something that made people change a little bit. But the old people that don't have uh, economy power to pay more, uh, the double of a, of a rent, so that, that's, that's uh, very difficult to deal with. And you see a lot of Airbnb now, and uh, the young people, I'm still a little bit young, but uh, the young people don't afford to pay a rent of 2,000 euros per month, so it's uh, Airbnb or you have to get out from the center. So. So, this was the story of Mariana and of her neighborhood Santo Antonio, and of Lisbon, along the past 15 years or so. In brief, of course. As Mariana mentioned herself at the beginning of this episode, she was invited to take part in some of the activities of the pilot one of Coeso Mass Tourism's impact on urban communities. So, at this stage, we are ready to go through what exactly happened during the pilot, step by step, chronologically. So the pilot's activities started in June 2021 with archival research. Due to the difficulty in conducting face-to-face fieldwork during the COVID-19 sanitary restrictions. This is Susana Fonseca from the NGO Zero, which you listened to already in the previous episode, going back to day one. When we were about to start to work, let's say, or we already had the pandemic on us. So we had to change a little bit the approach. I mean, because we could no longer do all the activities that we were planning more in person and interacting with people. So we had to, let's say, postpone a little bit the, the work. We did some things online. More specifically, What happened online at the start of the project in September 2021 was that Zero mobilized its members to participate in an online workshop. These workshops started to gather a research team to discuss different ways to relate to and know Santo Antonio. Based on the questions raised in the workshop, CRIA, the Center for Research in Anthropology and second partner in this pilot, organized two urban walks with Zero members and CRIA researchers in the Santo Antonio district. Mariana took part in these tours. But next up is Elisa Lopez da Silva from CRIA. You heard from her as well in episode four. In the context of that collaboration, we organize urban walks with zero members and researchers. And together we walk around the neighborhood and talk about what changes have been happening during these years. That was at the final you know, months of COVID restrictions. So we walk through a city that was a city that was kind of deprived of the boom of tourism. And so we had that privilege of study, of looking uh, in a different way to the city and thinking what has been the city with tourism and without tourism. Mind, there were challenges. I discovered this through a report about the pilot that was published online. It says, and I quote, these experimental collaborative methods, however fruitful in exploring new forms of doing research, presented limitations for the investigation. Why so? Well, the report says, there was a lack of diversity of the participants in terms of socioeconomic or education background, and the participants' relationship with the Santo Antonio neighborhood was mainly as passers-by. 
That's also why, at that stage, a peculiar visual anthropological fieldwork became an additional part of the pilot. Elisa Lopez da Silva explains. We also took another approach, a visual approach to it, because we have been collaborating with another researcher outside, which is outside Lisbon, Camilo Leon Quijano, and is a French Colombian anthropologist. Just a few important side notes. Keep in mind Camilo Lejon Quijano. Indeed, we'll come back to him at the end of this episode. Also, this is a moment in the history of the pilot where the third actor or organization became relevant. Besides Zero and Cria, namely La Fabrique des Écritures of the Centre Norbert Elias, or CNRS. I told you about them also in episode 4. Indeed, Camilo Leon Quijano is part of this organization. Anyhow, about Camilo and what he brought to the project, that's again Elisa speaking. He's an anthropologist, and so he came up with a methodology which is called uh, photo voice. I don't know you, but I did not have a clue about what photo voice was until I crossed the term in this project. So I went looking for it online. Here comes my beloved AI voice that explains it all. Photo voice puts cameras in the hands of people with valuable lived experience so they can explore and share their perspectives on health, family, community, and their futures. Using photo voice, you can encourage discussion, investigate experiences, highlight social justice issues, collaborate for change, identify needs, and more. I took this from photovoiceworldwide.com, just in case you want to dig deep. Anyhow, PhotoVoice was used as a method of contributory research with residents and local traders to visually document and reflect on the presence of tourism, such as, for instance, uses of space and everyday practices in the neighborhood. This is again Elisa explaining what happened in detail. So we gave people, especially residents and local people, disposable cameras with 26 photographs and the challenge was for the people to photograph anything that they see that reminds them tourism. So some of them accepted, was very, were very glad to participate in, in the study and after they do that we're going to develop the, the pictures and the photographs and we're going to ask them why they choose those views, those photographs, those images, why those images remind them of tourism. And so it's another layer of the participation of the collaborative uh, side of the project. So, this photo voice fieldwork took place in the first half of 2022 and was aimed to support the dual purpose of mapping everyday uses of urban space, including potential conflicts. You might wonder, conflicts? Between whom? Well, different dwellers, for instance. After all of this, so the online workshops, city tours and photo voice fieldwork, during the first half of 2022, the research also involved other stakeholders and local partners in the planning of research tasks. Elisa Lopez da Silva explains. And after that, we had some, uh, not conclusions, but we had some questions about it. And we took it to people that are living there. 
So what kind of questions did the researchers from CRIA and the activists from Zero bring to the people? We asked them some of the questions that we had that we thought of during those urban walks. Like, uh, how do you describe your street? How do you describe the place where you live? What are the um, main transformations that you see in your city where you live? And what are the main problems about it? But very open questions. And we kind of confronted that with uh, what we have studied before. More precisely, focus groups were organized. Susana Fonseca from Zero gave us insights. In the focus group, it was very interesting because you could see the different um, people were talking about the city and we could relate it to tourism, uh, good and bad, uh, good things also. And that was very interesting because you get this uh, notion of what tourism can mean or the impact it can actually have on people. But in a way, I think there is a part of the tourism, the impact, for example, in terms of social impact in people who had to leave the city because, you know, the houses where they lived were remodeled and, and refurbished for tourism and they had to leave because they could not pay the same price. And those people we are not capturing in our project because, you know, we, we don't know where they are because they are no longer here. At this stage, a new guided tour in the neighborhood of Santo Antonio took place. However, it was a different one compared to earlier ones. So we dealt with the um, president of the local parish. So, and he made us a guided tour around the, the area. And so he could kind of guide us through the main changes on his uh, parish and how he has been dealing with those changes. This latter activity, or walking tour, was particularly useful to discuss the impacts of tourism amongst other city dynamics and parish public policies. Eventually, in June and July 2022, a group of UAL undergraduate students enrolled in the Contemporary History course joined the project to conduct historical research about the Santo Antonio district. The UAL is the Autonomous University of Lisbon. Wow, let me wrap this up. Two walking tours across the civil parish of Santo Antonio, a photo voice project, two focus groups involving local organizations and institutional actors, a historical analysis of how mass tourism has been dealt with in media narratives. That's pretty cool and quite a lot of stuff. Though you might wonder what the outcome of all of this was, right? Or better said, what stays? after the experience in Lisbon. Well, if you remember, COESO is not so much about the end result itself, but about highlighting research practices put in place by engaged stakeholders. So in this sense, the experimental activities run by Zero and CRIA are the result itself. One way to look at it is also figuring out whether this is replicable in other contexts. So we asked Susanna her opinion on this very specific matter. Yeah, definitely. I would say that when we started before the pandemic, that, uh, as I was saying, there was a lot of debate around the impacts of tourism, even on inhabitants, etc. I mean, for example, Barcelona has this discussion for many years. I think if you go to Venice or Florence, probably you have the same problems. With the objective of replication in mind and talking and results, there is, however, 
a thing that you might want to check out. Something that can be considered as the ultimate archive of the Coeso Lisbon experience. So you might remember from the previous episode that I told you that Santo Antonio is a freguesia of civil parish, which was established only during the 2012 administrative reform of Lisbon. And that Santo Antonio is actually the result of a merge of the former parishes of Sao Mamede, Sao Jose and Corazao de Jesus. Well, if you go on your internet browser and look for www.saojose.huma-num.fr, don't worry, I will put it into the show notes, you will reach a website under the name logo which reads Sao Jose. The website calls itself a transmedia website and it has a tagline that says a transmedia ethnography of tourism in Lisbon. It's basically an interactive website where you can find all the things that emerge from the research activities of the pilot one of Coeso. As stated in the About section, the website was conceived by Camilo Lejon Cuiano and Elisa Lopez da Silva as a multimedia transdisciplinary and participatory object aiming to put into perspective different points of view on the city, citizens' experiences and tourist practices. That said, there's ultimately a very good way to evaluate the result of this pilot one of the Coeso project. And this way goes through the voice of Mariana, the citizen of Lisbon we listened to at the very beginning of this episode. I wanted to ask you something about the, your participation in the project. Okay. What was your feeling around it? It was nice because we were like, what, five, six person with different, I'm in the position of, of living here, Another person having a, a restaurant, another one working. So it was nice because we all have an opinion about the neighborhood in difference, but we all agree that the neighborhood is well, okay, better. The improvements were, it's nice for the, for the people. So we all agree that tourism is good, but you have to respect some limits. So it was good to make part of this. <laughs> Did you feel like it built like a common awareness? Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I think it would be good because this was for the project, okay? But uh, it was really nice to have, to have this conscience and awareness in a group. So it would be an idea maybe to explore this. But, of course, you always have the opportunity to make meetings uh, in the common and everything to point to problems. But this is, was very interesting because it was like a sociological view and get people close. I think that what Mariana says here is very important for the sake of our inquiry into citizen science and whether it can help transform a bit the way we conceive science. She says, of course, you always have the opportunity to make meetings. But this was very interesting because it was like a sociological view and get people close. Well, I don't know how you interpret this, but it feels like this is where citizen science can be a plus eventually. Namely, creating shared knowledge also between people who have different views on social matters. How do you see the future of this part of the city, of this neighborhood? I think in a good way. So I think it might be... There's an investment of the city hall to put buildings okay and uh, to, 
to give comfort to people who are coming and everything. I hope at the same time, and because it's a reality that old people are already talking and they understand that you have to assure the conditions to the people that are the Portuguese that are living there and the ones that they are older and don't have money. So I think it, the, the, the way is good. It's good for the city, it's good for the neighborhood, it's very... Uh, it's a good way for the, also for the economy of Lisbon, the capital. But we have to be careful only this, do not uh, forget the people who are there. <laughs> Hi, this is Alex again. It's just to mention that also the interviews and recordings from the ground you listened to in this episode were run and collected by Claudia Torrisi and Jeremy Bocchi. Talk to you later on Exploring Citizen Science. Until the next episode, goodbye. Want to hear more podcasts that get to the bottom of things that stand out in the ambient noise? Join Europod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our newsletter. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Discover our brand new website at www.europod.eu and join us in our fight. Europod. Clear the noise, start to listen. <laughs>